بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد continuing with what we started of earlier reading from this book the way to a happy married life the ayat of the Quran Sharif that Hazrat had been explaining ashiruhunna bil ma'roof that treat your wives kindly establish good conduct with your wives so Hazrat had asked a question that who can be more degraded and who can be more low than one who fails to heed the intercession of Allah Ta'ala in other words this is Allah Ta'ala so to say interceding on behalf of the woman to the husband look this is my intercession so to say that you should take care of your wife these are the words of Hakim al-Ummad I say nothing from my own side whatever I relate is from my, from my elders Hakim al-Ummad is informing us that in this verse Allah Ta'ala interceded on behalf of wives so that their husbands approach them with exemplary character. If the chief of staff, the commissioner of police, the highest ranking general in the army were to intercede on behalf of one's wife with these words, remember, your wife is my daughter's best friend, they were schoolmates, if you happen to ill-treat her, remember that I am the commissioner of police, I am the highest ranking general in the army. How will one under such circumstances act when dealing with his wife? He will constantly ask her, is everything in order? I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not upsetting you in any way. And immaterial of what happens, kindly ensure that you do not complain to those who have interceded on your behalf. So now suddenly the person is very, very conscious and very, very cautious and all the care and and he is able to digest a lot and is able to overlook a lot. Why? Because now he, he is afraid of what the consequences may be if he oversteps the mark in some way. If there is some complaint of some sort. Whereas these are also insan. Yes, in dunya they might have some kind of uh, authority and so on. But the authority is also very, very limited. Allah Ta'ala is, his qudrat is above everybody and everything. So when we are concerned about some insan's authority, we are concerned about some insan becoming upset about what we might do, so we should be more concerned about the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the example that Razad gives, that supposing if this was the case and there was an intercession, somebody interceded, somebody with this kind of authority interceded, that treat your wife properly, then every person would be very careful here Allah Ta'ala is interceding Allah Ta'ala this is a manner of expressing it Allah Ta'ala is not in need of anybody but Allah Ta'ala is interceding so to say on behalf of his servants who are the wives Allah Ta'ala is interceding on their behalf to the husband in this case it is none other than Allah Ta'ala who is interceding on behalf of his bondswoman with these words وَآشِرُهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ she may be your wife, but she is also my bondswoman. Bear this constantly in mind. Who can be worse than the one who ignores Allah Ta'ala's intercession? Who turns a blind eye to the intercession of his creator and treats his wife despicably 
by causing untold difficulties to her at every turn. Sometimes when these discussions take place, so later sometimes some people even ask, or some might be, don't, don't ask, but might be crossing their minds that if this is, sounds like everything is only on one end, that the husband must make sure he is 100% and doesn't matter what goes on at the other end of the world. So that's not the case. The issue is that obviously we are discussing what we need to do here. When there's a program that is addressing the woman, they are informed of what their responsibilities are, how they should be conducting themselves. So it is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street, obviously. But the same issue that we should be concerned about what we have to do. And the wives have to be concerned about what they have to do. So often we get concerned about what others have to do. And others are concerned about what we should be doing. So each one is holding the other to account for what they should be doing. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing themselves. So obviously that's not going to bring the result that we are looking for. So, <clears throat> under such circumstances, particularly when the husband is an outwardly pious person who is punctual in salah, has a beard, and does not allow even his ishraq and tahajjud to become qaza, and when such a person happens to degrade and beat his wife, who causes unnecessary inconvenience to her, she then begins to think on these lines, that, Billah, better than him are those who adopt the western dress, but keep their wives with ease. When she sees her neighbor being treated well by her modern husband, a heart-rending cry emits from the core of her being, that he is better than the, her so-called pious husband. And she feels, I wish I had not been stuck with this bearded person. If this is our behavior, that we are causing women to hate the beard, what a disservice, that such a great blessing of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody to adopt this sunnah of Rasulullah but then now with his conduct, he is making, now this is the wrong conclusion, you don't jump to conclusions in this manner, like the person sometimes, and this is unfortunately a thing that happens from time to time, that somebody did something wrong, so what he did wrong is wrong, but then the problem, with whoever the problem is, the person then says that you are you perform your salah and you, this is how you behave. So the, the, the manner which it is said is it as, as if that the salah is na'uzubillah responsible for this behavior. That you go to mosque and this is how you carry on. So the masjid didn't tell him to do that. The salah didn't tell him to do that. The salah hopefully is keeping things improving slowly, but he is not doing it well enough, so he's not improving quickly enough. But the same thing then happens in these kind of things. Somebody is dressed in Islamic libas, he's adopted the attire of a Muslim, he's adopted the attire of Sunnah. So now because of his wrong behavior, his wrong conduct, so now the criticism is being cast towards the libas and the appearance of Islam. What has that got to do with the wrong this person is doing? His wrong is his wrong. What good he did is his good. He did one thing right and he did ten things wrong. The one thing will be right is right. Other ten things that he did wrong is wrong. But unfortunately this is what people then start doing. 
So nevertheless, though this is wrong of them to jump to this conclusion, or to make these kind of statements, it's wrong for them. But at the same time, we should be hyper-conscious of this, that this is how it happens unfortunately, and therefore we should not become the means of degrading the sunnah of Rasulullah that somebody starts making these kind of erroneous conclusions because of our conduct. So that is our responsibility. That is the context in which this is being explained. That if this is our behavior, then we are causing women to hate the beards. After the fact that we do keep beards, that we do perform our salah with regularity, that we do adopt the dress of the pious, then after having established a relationship with the Ahlullah, our responsibilities are greatly increased. It doesn't mean that a person should now un or take a step backwards in what good he is doing. Well, he was adopting an Islamic appearance, but now his character is wrong, so now he might as well not dress Islamically. That is shaitani thought. No, he must continue what he is doing right, but now he must also understand that this brings added responsibility, because now this is going to set an example. And people are going to associate his behavior and link it to what he is appearing to be. So this is the context in which Allah is explaining that this brings additional responsibilities now. Our responsibilities are greatly increased. Our divina must be such whereby her inclination towards deen increases. Approach your wife with such good character that she is forced to announce to the other woman in the neighborhood if only like me you had married and Allah wala, you had married a person who is punctual on salah, if you have married somebody who keeps contact with the pious, then she would become a source of benefit to others also. Because now she has become inclined towards deen because of the husband's character. Ensure that one's character is of such lofty standards that she makes widely known the benefits and advantages of marrying a person who is deeny conscious, who fulfills the rights of a wife. Therefore be very conscious in fulfilling the rights of your wives. I have seen such people involved in great difficulties who ill-treated their wives. So this is that ayat of the Quran Sharif that Allah Ta'ala has interceded on behalf of his servants, the bondswoman, that treat your wives kindly. And the explanation that Hazrat then gave that how we should be conducting ourselves in this regard as mentioned earlier, that some things will carry on, there will be some ups and downs everywhere. And certain things won't change, generally, by and large. There's no impossibility. And perhaps somebody says, but who said it won't change? I'm a sahib karamat So, mashallah, who's talking about sahib karamat That's now on another class. There's always exceptions everywhere. So, mashallah, the sahib karamat we fully acknowledge that these things can happen. But, by and large, some things don't change. Some things are very difficult to change. That is where we unfortunately fail to recognize that and work around it. Work around it in a way that therefore the person gets past this problem, life carries on, he doesn't become overwhelmed with the situation, and inshallah, with the manner that he, he handles it correctly, things will better itself. It will get, inshallah, manageable and in fact better all the time. But the 
This is where akhlaq comes in. This is all how a person has to deal with things with akhlaq. And again, probably we discussed this, our concept of akhlaq again is only the positive treatment of others. That is obviously part of akhlaq. Very, very importantly, kindness is positive treatment of others. So that's a very important part of akhlaq. Compassion, forgiveness. But the greater part of akhlaq is treating other people, uh, is tolerating other people's ill-treatment. The rewards that have been expressed for kindness, for example, for generosity, for forgiveness, well, forgiveness also falls in a way on the other aspect that we're talking about now. So kindness, generosity, and these aspects, tremendously great rewards. But, on the other side, things that a person has to adopt that part of akhlaq to tolerate other people's ill-treatment, for example, sabr. So there is nothing equated to sabr. This is also akhlaq, that is also akhlaq, but this is on a very much higher level of akhlaq. And therefore in the Quran, Sharif Allah Ta'ala declares, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah Ta'ala is with these sabirin. There's tremendously great rewards for generosity, but the same expression is not mentioned for generosity, for example. But Allah Ta'ala expresses this for sabr. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says, The word ata in Arabic is used generally for a gift. Atiyah, a gift, ata, something that's bestowed to someone. So Nabi Islam is saying a person hasn't been bestowed with something greater, better, khairan, wa awsa, and more comprehensive. An ata, a person is being given something as a gift. This is Allah Ta'ala's gift. That a person hasn't been blessed with something better, khair, khair, ismay tafzeel, nothing better than it. And nothing more encompassing, more comprehensive than what? Mina sabr. Than sabr. The person who has been blessed with sabr, he's been blessed with the wealth beyond everything else. And obviously, sabr, sabr in all its forms then includes the whole of deen. Sabr al-ta'at, sabr anil ma'asi, Sabr al-masaib, because sabr will be required at every step. So now likewise, sabr in dealing with what goes on, the challenges that come, the person who has been blessed with sabr, then he will pass through the situations with flying colors. This is the thing to acquire. And just as al-ilmu bit-ta'allum, al-ilm, knowledge comes with what? by seeking the knowledge, learning. So there's an effort behind it. A person doesn't acquire knowledge by dreaming about it. That now he's dreaming that I'll one day become a alim now, he's just dreaming, but he's dreaming nothing. I'll dreaming now that I became the specialist of the time. So forget becoming the specialist of the time, you won't even become Neem Hakim. There's one Neem Hakim, the Hakim is a person, a doctor, 
Then there's a Neem Hakim. Neem Hakim means like a crack. person who's a half doctor, half baked. He didn't really study formally. He just picked up some things here and there. So it says Neem Hakim Khatrae Jan. The person who's a Neem Hakim, he's just a crack. He's just a half baked person. He didn't really formally go through the whole process. This person is a danger to life. There was one village in India, so there were many Hakims there. So it was a requirement that if any patient, the Hakim treating the patient, if that patient died, then that Hakim must keep on candle burning outside his door all the time. So people can work out now. They are looking for a Hakim. They now look at how many candles burning outside this person's house, or outside his well, rooms, whatever. So now they see somewhere 10, somewhere 5, somewhere 7, somewhere 20. So now they can work out where I want to go. So one person needed a Hakim. First time he came to this place now, he needed a Hakim. So he walked around and he saw one person, one candle only. The others had 5 and 10, 20. So in any case, he came to this person. And now he started now getting treated. The consultation is going on. This person is treating him. And then in the process, he decided to ask, to date, how many patients you treated? So he said, I treated one. So that one was already, the candle was burning there. So now he was supposed to be the second one. <laughs> so now this Neem Hakim, so that is Khatrai Jan. So what we were discussing and where we branched off from, that this aspect of sabr is going to be required everywhere. Now this ilm, al-ilm bit-ta'allum. This ilm comes by seeking that knowledge. It's not going to happen by dreaming about it. That a person now is dreaming he became this and dreaming he became so just as that requires a learning process. Likewise, al-hilm bit-tahallum. Hilm and tolerance comes by forcing oneself to adopt that tolerance. In other words, initially, it won't be a natural trait. If it's not there, it's not there yet. Meaning the person hasn't acquired it to the point it's... So just as that knowledge will come by pushing himself, undertaking the process, going to learn, burning the midnight oil, so now he wants to acquire this very great wealth of tolerance, this very great wealth of sabr. So initially, it will require a pressure upon oneself to force oneself to be tolerant, to suppress those emotions, suppress those feelings, to force oneself to adopt the sabr. But when he keeps doing it, in time it becomes a natural trait. First, it was a major pressure then it becomes something that just becomes the initial reaction. So now this is the thing that we need, but what will help a person to do that, to undertake that pressure? That's why he needs to bear in mind all those fadail and virtues. That what is this going to be rewarded with? It's not gone in vain. It's not something that's just going to be just wasted. No, no, this is beyond all the things that a person, somebody tells him, gives him some incentive, that you just be tolerant and I'll give you so much. And I'll giving him some promises of wealth. So now suddenly all the tolerance comes away. Suddenly all the sabr he can manage to make. Why? Because his eyes is on that. What is the reward? What is the material benefit that's going to come? The person who's got yaqeen in the akhirat, yaqeen in the promises of Allah Ta'ala, yaqeen in the promises that Rasulullah has given, that what a person will get in reward for the sabr that he will make, that will make it easy to undertake that sabr. That will make it easy to gulp that, swallow that anger. So, this is the aspect that a person has to undertake this akhla- these processes to acquire that akhlaq. And when akhlaq is going to be acquired, the person that will benefit most from the akhlaq that he will show to others is he himself. 
they too will benefit, but the akhlaq then brings back the same benefits. In time, it will come back. The example you often use, that if you throw a ball on the wall, it will finally bounce back to you. So now, sometimes people have their unique ways of asking their questions and whatever they want to ask. So one person heard this example previously, so he came to ask now that, see, I've been trying this. He said, now you throw a ball on the wall, then it comes back. I'm trying to throw, I'm throwing a sponge ball on the wall, it's coming back with a cricket ball. <laughs> so now how do we resolve this now? <laughs> now he had his unique way of describing it, that I'm trying to be soft and throwing the sponge ball, but then I'm receiving a cricket ball in return. So now we're getting dented and damaged with it. So the thing is, it perhaps, well, Allah knows best, some of these things are obviously a way for us to just understand an example, but this is the reality that when a person will keep dealing with good akhlaq, then like that ball, it will come back, but there's that one provision again. That one provision probably, that's now in a sponge ball, I don't know how you're going to do that. Because that provision is the important thing, that it must be inflated. If that ball is not inflated, it's not going to bounce back. What's going to inflate it? Ikhlas. That it must be inflated with ikhlas. It must be done for Allah Ta'ala. Done to earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Then with that ikhlas, the person keeps that akhlaq mustn't have any ulterior motive. Akhlaq must be for Allah Ta'ala. That my Rabb must get happy. And Allah Ta'ala becomes happy, makhluk must also become happy as a secondary level, that's okay. No problem. But primarily it must be for Allah Ta'ala. When that akhlaq is adopted with this ikhlas, then that akhlaq will then eventually bring the same reaction from the opposite end. What happened? Because Nabi Sallallahu was given this, that فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That it was the special mercy of Allah Ta'ala and His Rahmat, that you are very soft-natured and very soft with everyone. And then what Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَوْضًا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكِ Had you been foul-mouthed, had you been hard-hearted, what would have been the outcome? لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكِ Everybody would have disappeared from around you. Nabi Islam was blessed with the highest level of akhlaq. He was sent to teach akhlaq. بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ I was sent to perfect good akhlaq. This, what is being mentioned in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala is giving this lesson to the Ummad. That if Nabi Islam is being addressed in this manner, then where do we stand? So what is the message in there? That that bad akhlaq would have done what? It would have chased everyone away. So what did the good akhlaq do? That is what attracted. Had it been the opposite, that everybody would have been distracted. So, where did the attraction come from? It came from the good akhlaq. So likewise, the person is going to adopt the good akhlaq, it must bring the attraction in it. It might not happen in one day, might not happen in one month, but it just depends how well he's doing it, with what sincerity he has inflated it. But it will bring it, it must bring that attraction. It must bring back that same good akhlaq someday. So this is that good akhlaq that a person has to adopt. And this is what we have to aspire for. Otherwise, then sometimes 
things just continue, people just tolerate us because they have really no option sometimes. Or in the hope that things will improve, they just tolerate us, we carry on with life and we take it for granted that we can conduct ourselves as we wish. But that, Allah forbid someday, then it reaches a point where the damage is then beyond repair. And then it becomes a very, very complicated situation. This akhlaq, sometimes as saying people just tolerate us. This story, one person, he suffered a, he went into a coma. But that coma was so deep, people thought he passed away. So now they went through the processes, ghusl, kafan, now that janaza is there, and the whole family is around, his wife is crying away. Then after a while now the sons came and they took the janaza now and they're walking it to the Qabristan. Well, not janaza, he's alive, he's in a coma. But they didn't realize it. So now as they're walking the janaza on their shoulders, and there was one tree with a low-lying branch. So now as they were passing that tree, they didn't realize that this is a low-lying branch, that janaza hit that branch. So now when it hit that branch, it jolted this person inside and he came out of the coma. They came out of the coma and everybody was, well first maybe they got shocked about it, but then they realized that this person wasn't dead, he was alive. So now everybody was very excited and started, well, getting very happy and rejoicing over it. And in any case, now life carried on. After some time, he really passed away. Now when he passed away again, the janazah is lying there, everybody is crying and his wife is crying. Now eventually the time came now to take the janazah, so now the sons came to take the janazah, so the wife quickly, she whispered into the one son's ear, please watch out for that branch, he said. <laughs> that now he must have come back, make sure he goes properly. So, so outwardly everybody seems to be very fine with us, they just say, no, okay, you know, it is fine, everything is well, but... It is waiting now that this person, Allah Ta'ala, give him shahadat. Making dua that Allah Ta'ala, give him quickly to Jannat. But as long as the quicker he goes to Jannat, our Jahannam on earth will finish off. Now what a sad situation that would be. That somebody is wishing that we go away, not because they are wishing good for us, but they are wishing good for themselves. That will be a very, very sad reflection of what is our character, what is our akhlaq. Akhlaq, akhlaq is the key to all that peace that we're looking for, that happiness. And obviously, it's a two-way thing. But if we do what we are supposed to do, inshallah it will bring things. But then coupled with that, obviously, the talim is a very, very important and necessary component in this whole thing. It won't happen by just that we wishing for things to come right, but we're not undertaking the effort to do what's, what's going to make it come right. Or improve it. And one of the extremely important parts of this whole thing is the talim. So now the talim is not happening and we are complaining about what the problems are, but we are not undertaking the solutions. The talim is a very important component of it. One is the talim of the fazail kitabs and for example the fazail amal, obviously all those various sections which create the jazba of deen. The lesson of Ramadan is all about taqwa and taqwa includes everything includes every aspect of deen, akhlaq will come part of it. So now when a person, the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala has been generated, the fear of Allah Ta'ala has come, then despite being weak, we'll make mistakes, but 
that mistakes will also immediately trigger the thought that but this was not the right thing to do. So that taqwa now will keep the person reflecting. And when this will become an ongoing thing, that the mistakes will happen, but then there will be remorse over that mistake because of that taqwa. And there will be tawbah. But when that taqwa and tawbah, that cycle will continue, that reflection will happen, it will start bringing an improvement. So apart from the fazail amal, the fazail sadaqat, the second part of it especially, has tremendous uh, advice in it, which will deal with all these kind of issues as well. It will bring forth all those uh, good, that good character in a person's heart and mind and one's conduct, of how to deal with people, this extensive discussion about family ties, mending relationships, forgiveness, all these are the basic qualities. When these things come in, then automatically everything else will come in place. So the talim is essential. Together with that, it talks of the ulama and akabir. It might be sometimes that something is being delayed on the receivers or we can, in some other way, so they are also listening. Or then we bring some recording, we play it, we listen jointly. That will help us, help them bring everybody onto a certain common thinking, a common part. So one is that we have to make the sabr as well. We have to undertake the good akhlaq. But together with that, this talim is very essential. And that also has to happen with regularity. Not a once-off thing when now something reached a peak now, now suddenly you have the talim and then now everything suddenly comes down so the talim is also over. No, the talim is an ongoing need, ongoing process. And to the extent that this will be kept alive, we'll see the barakat and the noor of that talim in the home as well. So these are things, inshallah, we should try and inculcate and inshallah we will see the very good effects of all this in our homes and we will benefit, others will benefit as well. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah, alhamdulillahi, subhanakallahumma, alhamdulillahi,